Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Well, we're beginning a journey toward Easter. The series that I like to call it, Seeing the Real Jesus. And what we're going to do, we're going to start in Bethany today. And we're going to travel with Jesus as he goes to the crucifixion and the resurrection on Easter. Each Sunday we'll deal with one of the events of that final week of Jesus' life. And we'll see what that tells us about Jesus and what it tells us about our response to Jesus. Who we are in our faith and where God is calling us in our faith. So with that, let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our redeemer. May these words be your words, O God. For all that I misspeak, Lord, may you fill in the gaps in our hearing. For all that I fail to speak, O Lord, may your spirit fill us with your holy word. For we come to you, O God, this day, seeking and longing for your Spirit and your Word of life. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Across cultures, at least many of the cultures around the world, there is a word that is pretty much understood across those cultures. You know what that word is? Nobody? Okay. All right. Were you at the first service? Did you cheat? <laughs> Interesting word. We use okay for a lot of different things. How are you doing? How's work? It just it irritates us when we say to our kids, how's school? Uh, okay. How was Sunday school this morning? Okay. And, and, and in some ways, I think that the word okay is, I don't want to tell you. You know, just, it's a short version of, I really don't want to get into it. But what's also interesting about the word okay is that it's average. And do we really want to be average? Do we really want to be average? Do we want to just be average in our life and especially in our faith? Just enough to be better than someone else average. In one of the early Apostle spacecraft projects, one of the technicians was getting the astronauts settled in the capsule, and, and, the, and the technician said, well, um, how does it feel? How, how's it? Are you excited? And one of the astronauts replied, he said, well, it really makes you think twice, sitting on top of this huge rocket when you realize everything in this whole project was constructed by the lowest bid. <laughs> and yet that's the way a lot of people live their lives. According to the lowest bid. Is that the way we show our love for Jesus? Today we explore the extravagant response of the woman who comes to anoint Jesus. Jesus. All four Gospels record this story. This is not uh, just a, a passing story. 
All four Gospels, which means this is important. This is an important part of the ministry of Jesus that the early church and the disciples and the apostles want those followers of Jesus to remember and to know. All four Gospels. We heard from the Gospel of Mark. Matthew is almost identical to Mark. Luke adds some details to Mark. In Luke, the woman not only anoints the head of Jesus, but also the feet of Jesus, and then anoints Jesus' feet with her tears, cleans his feet with her tears and her hair. Luke tells us that it's not just the disciples, but the Pharisees that are critical of Jesus in in, in receiving this uh, anointing. John gives us the most details. John tells us that it's the house of Simon um, Lazarus, who Jesus had raised from the dead. John tells us that it's Mary who has come to him to, to anoint him. John tells us that it's actually Judas who leads the criticism. And, and we're told there that it is an example of his deceit, his dishonesty, and his concern for only money. All of them tell us that this story will be told everywhere the gospel is told in remembrance of her. How will our devotion be remembered? Okay? Average? Just getting by? Or will our worship of Jesus, our love expressed for Jesus, have such depth that it will be shared from one generation to another like this woman? Will our kids in the, beyond our life remember us and our faithful devotion to Jesus? Will our friends, will our colleagues, is, will that be the first thing they say about us? So let's look at and work through the Gospel of Mark and what he tells us about this adoration. First, adoration requires action. While he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very costly ointment of nard, and she broke it, and broke open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. Action. We have to take that step of action. We have to walk in the door. We have to say the words. We have to go through the discipline. And this kind of action for this woman is very unusual. You did not, as a woman, in that day, and I want to be careful here, (coughs) in that day, a woman did not interrupt a group of men. It was forbidden. She'd get thrown out of the house, and maybe worse. And you certainly did not interrupt a group of men who were eating. That was just, what in the world was she thinking? She was only thinking about Jesus. That's all she could think about. It was Jesus. Ask the question, why did she interrupt them? Why would she interrupt them then? Because there was, there was, her soul was so captured by Jesus that she could do no other. Action. She wanted to express her utmost love with holding nothing. And adoration requires understanding. 
But there were some who said to one another in anger, Why was the ointment wasted in this way? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and the money given to the poor, and they scolded her. Adoration requires understanding. We have to understand what a person is doing rather than criticizing them. Those men in the room, they had no understanding of what, of what was coming, of even who Jesus was. The disciples, the disciples, you would think that they would understand, but the disciples were confused about how they understood Jesus. They saw Jesus as a king, but not a king of eternity, not a king of all creation, not a king of earth and heaven, but a king on earth. They saw Jesus as one who was going to reestablish the kingdom of God in Jerusalem. They were going to throw out the Romans, establish the armies, the power, the might of Jerusalem. Mary saw beyond that. She saw who Jesus is, who he would be for all of the generations to come, not in winning wars, but winning hearts. So adoration involves, involves understanding. It is a matter of being so impressed with God that I bring everything that I have to Him as an expression of His worth. Next, adoration requires total involvement and sacrifice. Jesus rebukes them. He says, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you. And you can show kindness to them whenever you wish. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Total involvement. Total sacrifice. This is the real heart of the passage. This is where the the rubber meets the road. A complete and total surrender. And and I want to make it clear here that Jesus is not discouraging the Christian imperative to care for the poor, the disenfranchised, and those who are less fortunate. I mean, the Gospels are real clear about that, and Jesus' words are clear. But what Jesus is saying to those who are criticizing him and using the poor as, a, as an attack on the woman. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. To give adoration and worship at this level is needed in all of our lives. He's trying to tell those men, what this woman has done for me, you need to do. What this woman has done for me, you need to have the same devotion. Can you not see what she has done? Can you not copy what what is happening in her life that you may express and experience the capture of God's love for you? Now, what's important about this passage is, and the real heart of this passage is, it says, and she did what she could. Okay? She did what she could. Well, that's, it really says more than that. It, within the Greek, there is the phrase, etchen o poison, poison, epoison. Etchen epoison. 
And, and the phrase is used to add uh, emphasis. It's really not an easily translated phrase. Um, but what it does, it adds emphasis to the, to the phrase that's translated here. She did what she could, but it changes it. Etchen, literally translated, is to do something with close attention. I mean, you've got tunnel vision. That's all you can think about. Ipoizen is with purpose without delay. It has to be done immediately. All you can think about is, and, and all, that you can, all that you can do, you cannot do anything else until, until you get this accomplished. In other words, she could not think of anything else until she could do what she did. She could not think of nothing. She could think of nothing until she did what she could do. There might be other things to do in the day, but before she could do any of that, she had to give her adoration to Jesus. Now, I look at my own life and I wonder. Now, frankly, friends, I have to be here on Sunday morning. You know? Um, and, and I wonder sometimes. If I didn't have to be here, would I be hungry to be in worship? Would I be hungry to read my Bible every day? Would I be hungry and not be able to think about anything else until I had begun my day in prayer? I mean, what Jesus is is talking about here and talking about this woman, he is talking about a life that is consumed, that is consumed by an adoration and by the thoughts of, of our Lord. And, and I know what you're thinking at this point. You're thinking, you know, preacher, you're just a little weird here. You know, this is just a little bit over the top. This Jesus freak stuff is uh, a little bit too much. Not only that, but it's hard. And you're right. And, and so what, what I would say to all of us, because I don't think any of us have reached the point of Mary. I really think that Mary is, <laughs> Mary is the full example. I mean, from this day forward, anytime the gospel is told, her name shall be remembered and what she has done for me shall be remembered. Jesus knew how unusual this was. And so when I'm, what I think that Jesus would say to all of us is, take the next step. Take the next step. What, what next step in your life can you take? Maybe it is, the next step for me is that every Sunday in Lent as I move toward Easter, I'm going to be in worship. I'm not going to let anything get in the way of being in worship and singing the songs and hearing the Scripture and receiving the Spirit of God. Maybe it's during this season of Lent, I'm going I'm to set aside a time every morning, even if it's two or three minutes, just to pray. Maybe it's when I get in the car before I start the engine. Or maybe you want to start the engine and get it warm first and then pray. <laughs> Whatever that step is for your life, take the next step. And then take another, and another, and another. And sometimes there'll be steps back. We're human beings, for goodness sakes. That's why Jesus died for us, to forgive our sins that we might be made whole 
in his forgiveness. Then the scripture says, Truly I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she will done will be told in her remembrance of her. Now I've been saying this passage over and over again. But beneath, between the lines here, is the phrase, what she has done, beneath what she has done for me, is to know Jesus, is to worship Jesus. To know Jesus is to worship Jesus. Jesus is pointing out our need for worship, for adoration, to be consumed by the presence of Jesus. And until we show our devotion, we are not complete, we are not made whole. We may be forgiven. We may be looking for eternity. That there is a place in this life where full restoration can take its place if we but let the full Spirit of God roll upon us. Everyone in that room had received something from Jesus. But only Mary was willing to step out of her comfort zone And to do something extravagant to demonstrate her love. It was personal. It was a year's wages. And she used it for the glory of God. William Borden, excuse me, was the heir of the Borden Milk Estate. And um, huge... uh, company in the early 1900s. When William graduated from high school in 1904, he was already a millionaire. A millionaire in 1904 at 18 years old. Everyone expected he would someday head the family company. But he surprised the company. He surprised them by announcing before he went off to college that he was going to become a missionary. (laughs) And And people said, you're going to do what? What a waste. Don't waste your life. I mean, think of all the good that you can do with all the money that you have and all the the influence that you you will have. I mean, being a missionary, yes. But look at what you might be able to do with the Borden Company. But he said, no, this is where God is calling me. And on the first day that he started at Yale to begin his religious studies, he wrote on the front page of his Bible, no reserves. No reserves. What happened at Yale is that his grades were great. He made excellent grades. But more than that, he started Bible studies across the campus. There was actually a a revival movement that took place at Yale while he was there. He started uh, uh, ministries in the communities around the, the, the university for, for children and for, for those who were disenfranchised and those who were, who were challenged by, by lower income. He was an absolute organizational genius. 
And so at the, end of his, at the end of his years at Yale, when he graduated, his family came to him and said, Listen, William, you're, you, you are perfect. I mean, you'll be the head of this company within just a few years. Please, just set aside. Set aside for a minute, for just maybe, maybe a, couple, a few years, your dream to be a missionary. And let's see what you can do with this company. And he said, No. I'm being called to the mission field. I'm going to Princeton. I'm going to complete my training there. And then I'm going to go to Asia. I'm being called to the Muslims there to bring Christ. So he went to Princeton. And his first day at Princeton, he wrote underneath no reserve the words, no retreat. He will, I will not retreat from the call that God has put upon my life. He finished at Princeton. And on his way to Southeast Asia, he stopped off at Egypt to learn Arabic. While he was in Egypt, he contracted spinal meningitis. And he died. Family, friends, prayer partners, missional support teams literally around the world grieved his loss and the word at his funeral was what a waste what a waste but while William Borden was in the hospital beneath the words no reserves no retreat he he wrote the words no regrets I pray one day that I'll be able to write those words and that maybe that will be my epithet. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, to live a life with no regrets, to be able to to come to the end of our days, even at 25, and say, no regrets, no regrets. I think that's what Mary was doing when she interrupted the men at their dinner time, broke the oil over Jesus' head, anointed his feet with the oil and her tears, and gave every bit of dignity and honor that she could to Jesus. So short or long, rich or poor, every life deserves to end with no regrets. And when it does, it's never about the money. It's about Jesus. The Jesus who can conquer all. The Jesus who can give us the victory. The Jesus who can lift us up out of the ashes. The Jesus who is ours. Not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. And so I leave you with this question. How can we make our worship, devotion, and sacrifice for Jesus more than just okay. What does God want? What has He given to us that He wants us to use for His glory? How does God want us to demonstrate our faith? In what ways can we offer our time, talents, and treasure so as to express our love for Christ? For love does not look for bargains. It is not cheap. 
Love comes at a great price. But only love can change the world. Let's pray. Almighty God, this morning as we consider the extravagant act of Mary, we look to you. We praise your name. You are king of our lives. We claim you. Please claim us. You own all the things we have. We can do no other than to give you all the praise, glory, and adoration possible. And so when others criticize us, help us to keep your name on our lips. When life gets tough, help us, O God, to still worship you with praise. When others look down on us, help us, O God, to look up. And when others think we've gone too far, may we let them know that this is just the beginning. May your love be our victory this day. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.